from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. You're listening to KZON, Oleander Public Radio. Welcome to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos with Dave and DB. All right. Is everyone ready? Ready, ready. All right. Okay. Rock steady. Bebop. Hello, everyone. It is I, D.B. Spitzer, along with Gretchen Brooks and David Heath, a.k.a. Farmer Dave. And mm-hmm. um, Gretchen is weird. You can find them all over the Internet. Just <laughs> no, look for those I, names. I, Come on. Especially <laughs> if, if I owe you money, I'm yeah. hiding. It's in the show. <laughs> I don't owe anybody money. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. All right. Uh, hey, everyone. Welcome to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. This week, we're talking about uh, some some friends of ours, actually some some relatives of ours, distant relatives of ours. Right. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, I don't know, we're, we're going to be talking about some squishy stuff. And we're going to be talking about uh, bad relationships. Uh, I I thought you were going to say relative of yours that you were distantly related to uh, uh, Sam Neill. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, we we are handsome, handsome people, but yeah, no. (laughs) And Irish. North Irish. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, yeah. Um. Yes. So bad relationships that end badly. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's 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 uh, see how it's going this week. How how are you two doing? What's anything new and fancy going on at the farm? I've been advised by my legal counsel that anything I could say could be used against me. <laughs> okay. All no, right. but we did we did have two. It's a good thing we did have two new babies out yesterday. All right, nice. That's good. Gretchen, anything fun and exciting happening with you out and about? Doing any? Uh... Um, let's see. Last week I did a three-hour-long video thing. Um, on um, I was on a show called Collect All Monsters, where uh-huh. it's a talks about like collecting um, Japanese vinyl toys 
And um, it was a lot of fun. We had, we for three hours. It was a really yeah. long episode, but uh, uh, their main host. Hour tour. Oh, it was good times. I mean, and their main host, she, one of their main hosts, she was um, unable to be present, so I was um, asked to stand in. And boy, I had a good time. They, I was well, a good time with that crew. Cool. They were pretty funny. And if anybody's looking for it, it's on um, on the on the YouTube's under Collect All Monsters. Whoa! I'll I'll, I'll yeah. put a link in the show notes for. Uh, yeah, it was actually part of the show I was originally uh, on before, like my first podcast that I was on. Um, oh wow! I'm sorry, my second. Um, cool. The second podcast I was on was called the. Kai you cast and yeah, yeah. that was the one i always talk about like godzilla monsters and things uh-huh. like that but uh that show evolved into the collect all monsters video whoa like, i, was, yeah, I don't even cool. know what, to call, what do you call youtube shows like youtube shows or do you call them video shows uh, they're not like tv YouTube. shows yeah uh, i was thinking about like what do my kids call it and it's like youtube i think it's just like youtube yeah 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 so youtube show and yeah, that's so collect all monsters, not destroy all monsters. Correct. Collect <laughs> all monsters. It's not to be to confused. The wrong one. Not to be confused. Right. But yeah, it was a it was a good time. And then um, other than that, I I got celebrated as a mommy and um, went out to nice. the fall my mommy. Nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. happy Mother's Day. Thanks. Like thanks. Yeah. I mean, it feels weird having a 22 year old child and being, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a mom still it's like oh yeah mom is always mom which is awesome yeah very cool very cool i sold an insane amount of guitars and amps oh i sold artwork i sold that's right you did the big sale thing right yeah i did a big sale in downtown vancouver how was it and i i sold an insane amount of stuff my buddy he sold an insane amount of stuff and I think we're both looking to be volunteers at the Portland Horror Festival coming up. Oh, just nice. so right we like to be busy on our weekends and run stuff around and set things up and, you know. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, I'm not so going to volunteer this year. Vancouver, when you come back into the United States, do you have to pay taxes? Oh, <laughs> Vancouver, Washington. Oh, the other Vancouver. The other Vancouver. Yeah. Okay. So when you come into Oregon, do you have to pay taxes? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm do a... I pay them? No. No. You, you, you don't pay have that to toll. Pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you're a rebel. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I don't think I have to pay taxes um, oh. on that kind of stuff. I don't make enough. That's why you live in Oregon. We don't. Yeah. Pay I don't. I, I don't make enough on this. It's not a, a, a long-term enough hobby. But when mm-hmm. I do make enough, I'll ten, I'll, I'll fill out the ten forty forms. Don't you worry, Dave. I know everything to do with this stuff. <laughs> I've been a, a, a contractor and a hobbyist forever. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. Right, so, are you looking forward to doing the um the the Portland Horror? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Uh, my buddy wants to know about like how to set up these festivals and stuff like that, because he's thinking, hey. It's nice that we go to all these other events and stuff like that, but we need to be thinking about how to set up our own stuff in the future so that we can be taking money from other people and also be selling our own stuff. And I went, of course, that's always been the goal. <laughs> Sandbox, man. You just got to learn how to play with the other kids, I guess, yep, right? Yep, I mean, honestly, um, Gwen's actually going to be doing a panel at Crypticon about running film festivals. Oh, oh nice. Cool. 
Yeah. So in the future, who knows? Maybe I'll have the Clark Ashton Smith Film Festival. Right on. <laughs> right on. Or maybe we will have the D.B. Spitzer Film Festival. Oh, that'll that'll have to happen after I'm dead. <laughs> who knows when that'll be? But it'll be at the Roseland Theater is, is my plan. <laughs> nice. All right. So what... Uh, Enough, enough of us chit chatting. Where, where, where are we, uh, where are we going today? What are we talking about? Who's, who's our first? Uh, what's our first uh, topic? We are going to Antarctica. Mm. Oh, I don't like shoguts. the cold. Yeah, shoguts. Or shoguts. Yeah. Shogos. I don't know. I've seen like I've heard different, a few different pronunciations. One is like shoguth, and then one is um, shogoth. My, I, I, I say uh, Shoggoth, but one yeah, of my personal too. favorites is Shogoth. Yeah. And I think that's, oh, goodness, I'm trying to remember the, uh, it's on, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, it's Thug Notes uh, the, uh, at the Mountains of Madness. Oh, and, yes, I love that. And he says Shogoth. And I'm like, yeah. I like that way. I I I I like Shogoth. I I missed that. What was that? Doctor Sweets or? Yeah, I believe so. I wish they did new ones. Me too. But I've yeah, never no. Seen this thing, Doug notes. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, cool. Doug notes. Yeah, uh, great stuff. Everything from like Dracula to the Great Gatsby, H.P. Lovecraft, 1984. The What's that? The Goldfinch. Which oh, was yeah. Yeah. Written out, I think in the 90s. All kinds of neat stuff that you can uh, listen to some guy talk about. And Dr. Sweets. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty fun. That's awesome. I would totally want to check that out. I um, I love that kind of stuff. Like they have the urban cookbook and things like that. You know, that's yeah. that's fun. That's awesome. Makes it cool and accessible. I like it. So yeah, yeah shoguts, man. <laughs> They're crazy. They're crazy. Uh, I'm my favorite monster of the week right now. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. I, what, what, I mean, what, what's that? What kind of stuff have you been running across with shoguts? Well, I just find that that they have their. Now I'm starting to realize they're like the inspiration for so many films, <laughs> like, um, the thing. Uh, let's see the glaringly obvious ones like the thing and, um, uh, aliens, they all have that kind of progenitor vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like the, um, the, like the alien architect, like it is in the, the, um, aliens universe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's I, I immediately, my brain went there, but I mean, I know they're like, two starfishes on a football, but they're elder things. Sure. I, I have a question for you. Have yeah. you ever read the manga uh, Mountains of Madness? Uh, that yeah, is the most uh, beautiful drawing. By Gao Tanabe? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. 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 Gao Tanabe did it. Um, his stuff is incredible. I mean, that's actually something I talked about at our, at our panel was um, yeah. I didn't get, I didn't get to touch on it long enough because there's, you know, it was just like my brief little moment, but yeah. like Gautanabe's um, manga are, his interpretation of mangas are incredible. Yeah. Like 
the Mountains of Madness and then the Hound um, and other stories. He's got a, like a, a, there's quite a few and they're easily defined on like Amazon. Yeah. yeah. They're all put out by Dark Horse. So if anybody's looking for them. Yeah, amazing art. Yes. So cool. I have to say Dark Horse has done leaps and bounds for uh, Lovecraftian horror with uh, things that they've chosen to produce that other companies would be a bit more squeamish towards, like your DCs and your Marvels. But Dark Horse was there printing Alien comics and Predator comics. Hellboy. And... And True. and willing to step beyond and like print other stuff. It was like you have to get like DC has to do like Else Worlds before you get like the Doom that came to Gotham and stuff like that. But yeah. Mm. But I mean, there is a certain amount of grisliness that comes with like your independent comics that are more likely to adapt Lovecraft more traditionally, uh, or or even like take it and then bump it up to the current time era and and still portray like the brutalness and the 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 uh emptiness of lovecraftian horror well and i think that's why shoggoths are such a great monster because they um shapeshift oh yeah so that could be any that's timeless i mean mm-hmm. it could be a monster looking around the corner i mean literally shoggoths are like and also they're the thing that you Besides Cthulhu, Shagas to me are like the thing that comes to mind when you mm-hmm. think of like cosmic horror, Lovecraftian yeah. horror, like this blobby amoebus tentacly eyeballs and, you know, goo. I mean, if I was going to take it into a kaiju realm, like Godzilla versus um, the smog monster, Hedorah totally uh-huh. gives me like Shagas vibes. Um, the, 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 the yokai from Japanese mythology, uh, ume, or, uh, how is it? Bozu, or, uh, ume, dang, <laughs> I'm mixing up my Ultraman monsters and my uh-huh, yokai. Uh-huh. <laughs> Trying to say sibozu, but it's not right. That's not right. I want to say, but the one that's the known as a sea monk, that's like this amorphous, um, mm-hmm. shadow in the sea that has like eyes. That um, I think it's called Ume Bozu, but anyways, that so I'll correct myself later and be like, oh, why did I say that? But <laughs> yeah, it's um, that that monster. It's so I feel like like Shagats is so timeless and could easily be adapted into any culture and any like story. Yeah, no, no, it's like any. I feel like any like almost any horror genre you can have a Shagath. Absolutely. I mean, you could even have like your teen slasher film. It's like, well, why is the slasher doing that? Well, it's he's mad it's, at us because he's a shoggoth. <laughs> it's it's feeding the shoggoth. It has to feed the shoggoth. The shoggoth's its its mother. <laughs> right? yeah. Well, I just also love in that story um, at the mountains of madness how the descriptions of like the. I, I, it's funny. My first time hearing that performed was at um, one of the Lovecraft Film Festivals, like the oh, Adventure yeah. Theater people. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Is that right, or is it the yeah, H.P. Lovecraft yeah. Film Society? I can't remember that. What their oh, dark uh, dark or, adventure radio theater. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. That their performance of it was mind blowing. So good. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was. It fun. really like yeah. painted the picture. So. One thing about Shagoth, 
is I think that it's one of only two of the Lovecraftian creatures that got a cover. I got a what? Here on the cover of a of a pulp magazine. And oh yeah. If your story appears on the cover story, you get paid extra. Okay. Oh, and, is that true? Mm-hmm. And that's why that's why not Lovecraft, but other people, <coughs> Robert E. Howard, would often put in half gray, uh, half dressed women in their stories increase <laughs> the chances of being on the cover. Yeah. But th- that astounding cover where the the two explorers are running and being chased by that big green shaga. multi-eyed creature, yeah. Yeah. I that, love that. And I think there was one with a Yithian too. Yes. That's yeah, that's one of Lovecraft's two uh amazing not not amazing, um astounding. Astounding really stories that. covers, yeah. yeah. So doing research for this, I read that um Edgar Allan Poe gave the Shagas their voice. Yes. So I have a question. <laughs> Does that mean that this is Lovecraft's invention, or was this like a a dual creation between the two of them? Well, you know what makes that noise? That tikalikali, in the uh, narrative of uh, Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. You know what makes that noise? No. What? Evil cannibal albino penguins. <laughs> Not make that oh, up. and that's why the penguin thing was so important in at the Mountains of Madness. Yes. Yes. Lovecraft. Gotcha. Lovecraft took those term that term that tickly 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 from um uh from Poe. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no. Good. No, it's fine. But so but yeah, I'm always in my little head canon that they were sagas disguised as penguins and they, he doesn't call them penguins he just calls them albino flightless birds with teeth yeah <laughs> because i mean in the story right isn't there a, a aspect where he's describing where he pushes past the the penguin the of enormous size or something like that yeah yeah they're all they're, they're huge albino penguins oh okay okay so that's why we mentioned those penguins i was wondering yeah it was like a they're like their buddy patting each other on the back, like I, I love you, Edgar. I love you too, Lovecraft. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's a reference to a um, I, I think like a, a weasel or a stout of uh, bizarre proportions, like it's <laughs> it's it's too big and also it's too long or something like that to yeah. be to be to be like mm-hmm. what they think it is. And it keeps following them, and it's it's in the story called the Willows, and Lovecraft makes a reference to that creature in um um the meteor one, the um Colorado uh, space, Col- Colorado space, yeah, okay. the meteor one. <laughs> yeah. I love you call that one that. Well, you I know? mean, it, oh, it's sorry. the best way to describe the Colorado oh. space. It's it's the one that has a meteor. Does <laughs> all the things. You know, and all the names kind of smash together after, after well, all this time. <laughs> I love, well, I love like how they like describe when they describe things being giant and like older style, like, and they'll say like Princess Bride makes a joke of it and says like you know rats of enormous size or whatnot <laughs> yeah. instead of just being like big rats or giant rats, it's rats of enormous size. I like that the penguins were of enormous size. Yes. 
So I, I, I have some things I'd like to share, but first of all, I have a question for you. Yeah. And so at the very end, and I think this has been debated by a lot of people, Dyer looks out the window of the airplane mm-hmm. and he sees something he doesn't say what is, and he freaks out. And so I have my theory what he saw, but what do you guys think Dyer saw? Or Yeah, Dyer saw. Well, I like to imagine and the greatest cannibal penguin of all time. <laughs> so so pale, it's like the color of my underarm. Um, no, 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 no. I like I've heard Cody Goodfellow talk about this and Ken Height talk about this, and they all kind of talk about like what if what the thing is is like either a shoggoth that is so huge that it like you know, like you see the whole size of the Shoggoth and it's like mm-hmm. an immense, immense thing. It's like something that you had no idea how big it was and could probably be large enough to pull all of that building down into, uh, you know, all of the thing down into the hole or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, another theory is it's some sort of Shoggoth that has inflated itself and is like floating towards, but very slowly. And I've also heard people say that the the uh, Naralepta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but I that's what I got. My first reading was that it was a Shoggoth that could fly, and that meant that they weren't, you know, stuck in Antarctica. Yeah, or or a Shoggoth swimming was another one, but yeah. Why couldn't it have been him looking back at himself, like seeing um, the Shoggoth having transformed at him to him? That's what I was getting the vibe for, because to me that would break my brain. Like I seeing myself, but a sinister or alien version of myself that has no feelings and is clinical. A doppelganger. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be (laughs) terrifying to see. That would my brain. That's the best answer. Yes. They fly away, and then you know they see Sam Neil waving at them. Well, they see um, Henrik or Heim, whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so I also have a couple of versions of Shoggoth. Okay. Later appear, and one of them is, you know, my friend, good friend of the show, Sean uh, Hote, who unfortunately, because of medical situations, just hasn't been able to write in the last years. Sure. But he did in one of his uh, Penny Dreadfuls, basically. What would happen is when the Shoggoth would devour someone, their eyes would stay. And so in his version, all those eyes in the Shoggoth were victims. Ah. And, and another, and I always, I don't know, is it T.E.D. Klein or is it Ted Klein? I, 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 I generally I've hear people both. say Ted Klein. Yeah. Well, he did a great story called Fat Face. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read that. No, no, I haven't. So, so in this, the Shagas have mutated, and they can take almost human form. But, but that's what the the fat face character um, is. Basically, he has these giant plastic overalls, and, and he has this big giant fat bald face, and he is the Shagoth Lord. And at the end, he reveals himself, 
And Chaosium really took that and ran. And they one of their biggest bad guys is Albert Shiny. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with Albert Shiny. Yeah, I was curious where it came from. So Albert Shiny is the Shagoth Lord. And the idea of the Shagoth Lord comes from Fat Face. And so the, the, the main character in Fat Face, she's like super naive. And how do we know that she isn't uh, naive? Because she thinks that my hometown, Oxnard, California, is an ex- exciting place. <laughs> it, and no, the, I haven't I, read this. I think it's a good story. I mean, it's, it's definitely one of the modern classics. Nice. Um, then we have um, Charles Strauss's A Colder War. Okay. Which, in this case, the Russians or Soviets basically weaponized Shagoths. Oh. Uh, and it, it's a great story, and I, I won't really spoil it, but the part is kind of what it's most famous for mm-hmm. uh, is, you know, where the Russians had their big old parades, the Soviets had their big old parades with rocket launchers. Yeah. Instead, they have their parades with weaponized Shagoths going down the road uh, again an, an incredible short story like in an alternate world yeah but definitely a story i would suggest anybody uh get but then again um and i'm sorry i said to, uh, i said ted klein wrote fat face and already people are writing their their hate letters uh-huh. uh, because it was michael shea Okay, that sounds familiar. Yeah, no, that sounds like... Yeah, so is Michael Shea. Not, I, uh, T- Ted Klein did the story that I thought Michael Shea wrote. That's why I flipped the names in it. So, Oops. no, it, it, it was Michael Shea. I apologize to the Shea um, uh, estate. And, oh my and gosh, all you're of, fine. <laughs> all <laughs> those people who are writing hate letters saying, you don't know the difference between Klein and Shea. But yeah, it was Michael, it was Michael Shea who wrote Fat Face. So, yeah, uh, I also want to say that uh, Byron Kraft uh, wrote a book about Shoggoths. It's 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 pretty good. I, I enjoyed yes. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, he's been I, on the show before too. He's been on the show before too. Yeah, and uh, someone who I've I've given donuts to in the past and high fived and uh, <laughs> the carb load for Cthulhu. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've worked a few of those and I was like, I will never do this again. Oh, no, no, no. These were donuts I brought in from where I worked. Oh, like right on, right on. Everyone had already carbo-loaded for Cthulhu and complained about how the donuts were cut into pieces. And I brought in, like, two full boxes of donuts. And then all these, like, short guys and savages uh, grabbed fistfuls of donuts and then sat down. I think that's where I first met Dave. No. <laughs> I think good chance. But one other thing I was going to say about the weaponized Shagos, then Octung Cthulhu went in hyperdrive with it. And so they've got fully Panzer tanks made out of Shagos. Yeah. I mean, makes sense. I mean, if you're going to, I mean, they're, they're a suggestible slave race. Yeah. Yeah. Sad, but true. Which, which makes me pop into the next thing. I haven't researched it, but I am positive that there is a probably a fair amount of hentai that has shoggoths oh yeah oh yeah 
I mean, or, like, if you want me to touch on it, totally. Like, yeah, but like, as soon as you said, unfortunately, a slave race, and I'm like, oh yeah, another thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, really, all tentacly stuff is Shagas, if you really yeah. think about it. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, no. I mean. Oh, and by yeah. the way, I was right. Umibozu. Yes. Umibozu. <laughs> yeah, no. Because I'm like, wait a minute. My friend has a cat. Uh, she she named her cat Umibozu because he's a big, fat Lazo. He just, That's he's a big, really fat. That's really cute. That's a cute he's, name he's for a, a kitty. Big, fat, gray cat who will, like, sit on you. That would be a good way of describing an Umibozu. They're, like, these, they call them sea monks. They're, like, entities in the sea that are, like, they're kind of that idea, like when you see something shadow in the in the ocean, it's like, yeah. oh, Bozu. but we know it's a shagath. Yeah, yeah. Something else. <laughs> but yeah, so I I'm I'm I thought that was a. I mean, I think that the shagaths are like a an interesting race that you can use in multiple different ways. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, yeah. Gods. That's what I thought was kind of cool about them is that even though that when they have sentience, they're not interested in godhood. They're just like, we just don't like people yeah. yeah and i've used shoggoths in interesting ways in like writing and in gameplay and stuff like that yeah. like i've had a call of cthulhu game where everyone knew like the local mechanic what they didn't know is that when the mechanic closed all the doors they turned into a shoggoth and that's how they were able to get cars like put together and taken apart and cleaned like amazingly fast oh my god i just realized that's that really dumb movie Called Monster Truck is a it's a shotgun. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Oh, no, but now I'm if you really want to hurt your poor brain, it's like a now knowing that it's a shotgun. Going into it knowing that it's a shotgun, you're gonna be like, oh man, this cute kids movie or teen movie is now yeah. ruined, or is it? <laughs> well, no, no, and you could have like you know if you're writing a story or if you're doing a game, you could have a shotgun that decides to be a brutalist, uh, a brutalist mansion, a shotgun that decides to be. Uh, a canal. Uh. <laughs> oh man, there's just all kinds of. It's a really good, um, like story device. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One you of the chaos that... stories. I forgot which one. Where the gazebo was a shagath. Oh. oh, rad. Nice, nice. Or, or you could have things like the raft, where a bunch of teens are uh, goofing around in a lake, and then there's yeah. this big thing floating in the water i mean well that's... if you think about it that's what creep show yeah yeah isn't oh, that yeah. from creep show yeah that was like creep show yeah. one or two i can't remember yeah yeah anyway but yeah so no Shaga it's, Shaga. It's, it's, Shaga. it's like you think you're safe on the water i mean you think you're safe on land and then it's like yeah no it's it just happened to be on the water that day <laughs> yeah totally yeah but yeah, something when else I... Oh, oh when I ran but... GURPS games, yeah, the Shoggoths were the, the, the creature that everybody ran away from. <laughs> and you can always have a character, an NPC, who doesn't know that they're a Shoggoth. Yeah. Or, or discovers that they're a Shoggoth halfway through a story, or you discover that they're actually a Shoggoth halfway through a story, or whatnot. But yeah, no, Shoggoths, you can do a lot with them. They're really cool creatures. They're very versatile. They're kind of like 
where all of our slime monsters kind of come from, all of our tentacle eye monsters come from. I mean, I mean that's what it feels like. I mean, yeah. Especially like like I was pointing out earlier, is like it you could cross culture it and many things. <laughs> I mean, it could be an angel if you think about like having all the eyeballs, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. the um, the biblical interpretation of an angel. Or oh whatever. sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 that's what I'm kind of I didn't realize until to this week I, when I was researching more about Shabbos, I was like, wait a minute. They're like biblically the accurate things. angels. <laughs> They're biblically yeah. accurate angels. There are all kinds of things. They could be a jinn. I mean, yeah. they have enough sent. They have sentience. I mean, some of them do, and some of them don't. And they're like, what was it said that they're they're bred to be hypnotic suggestion. Yeah, yeah. Is that what it is? That's how they're are. They're ruled through like a psychic suggestion mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But at what point does that backfire on someone? Then you have psychically active. Well, that's what you have at the Mountains of Madness, where the things that are just pretty much, yeah, just going to destroy everything or fix everything or pretty much do whatever they want to do because ultimately they're top of the food chain. Totally. So where are they now? They're on the roof. (laughs) They're on their way. They're on their way. Oh, yeah. Shagas on the roof. Oh, yeah. I, I, I personally feel that, like, uh, not IRL, but in the world of the Cthulhu mythos, most Shoggoths are probably just, like, hanging out in deep ocean, doing their thing, eating up all the stuff down there. Oh, man. Making Aquaman's life hell. I'd be, like, chilling. I would be trying to, I would mimic each person that was, like, a, a I don't know, like, a, a well-to-do or whatnot, or try to hide as a celebrity or something yep. strange like that. If I was a <laughs> be a house and eat every twentieth person. Totally. There you go. <laughs> I would be a witch house. I'd be chilling in the woods, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, this is, looks like a really comfy place to stay." Gobble, gobble, yep. gobble, gobble. <laughs> Shoggoths, everyone. They're cool, despite what Lovecraft tries to tell you. <laughs> well, they're cool because they live in Antarctica. Yeah, yeah, they are cool because they live in our Antarctica. And Lovecraft, as we all know, was allergic to the cold. Oh, was he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or that's what he claims. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> He'd be all like, Sonia, can you go outside and start the car? It's like 35 out there, and I'm allergic to the gold. <laughs> if That's they owned a car. That's a theory. Yeah, no, I don't yeah. know if I, I doubt they owned a car, but. <laughs> yeah. Although that's why it was, I think, Amazing Tales. He got the job, but he wouldn't move to Chicago as their chief editor, and he wouldn't move to Chicago because of the cold. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Enough pick on Lovecraft. That's my favorite thing to do is pick on Lovecraft. I know, but we have other stuff to talk about, (laughs) too. All right. Dave, what's the center part of of the show about? So we're going to talk about a real incident or at least a real police report that is credited for creating the movie The Blob, which is also very Shargothy. And that is the Philadelphia Star Jelly incident. That's pretty cool. 
And then after that, we're going to talk about a movie. Gretchen, what movie are we talking about? Possession, 1981. Yeah, not The Possessed, 1979. No. Don't watch that one. I I think it's good. Yeah. I watched part of it. I'm like, no, this isn't it. It, (laughs) It could be it. And I'm like, there's there's the people who could be in it. But then I looked up the other one. I went, oh, yeah, no, this is it. (laughs) all right and that's after the break and after the other break all right right um moving on to the next part just to remind everyone if you like what you're hearing like this episode share it with people subscribe to the podcast find us on facebook we're under people's guide to the cthulhu mythos we're on twitter I don't really check Twitter, so it's just kind of the automatic feed. If you just want to listen to us on Twitter for some reason, you can find us on any place, any podcatchers that are out there. Of course, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, the YouTube where this episode will be. And uh, yeah. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. Hey, everybody. It's me, Dave, Farmer Dave. I know, I'm your favorite. Okay, no, we know that we've done advanced statistics and studies and tests, and uh, Gretchen is your favorite. But you got me. So uh, I thought since we were talking a little bit about the Shagoth, maybe we would talk about the seemingly Shagoth-inspired movie, The Blob. You know, the one with uh, baby Steve McQueen? He was so young and he went by Steven back then. But what if I told you the blob was not inspired by Shagos? Probably wouldn't surprise you too much. But what if I told you it was inspired by real events? Okay, if we go down that rabbit hole, we're going to have this whole... David Lynchian, Descartian, what is real discussion. So let's say what we know for a fact is that the blob was inspired by a real police report. The police report that inspired the movie The Blob, it's an artifact. It's something that's physical. It exists. Um, It was a news sensation at the time. Now, is it going to be as dramatic as the movie The Blob? Of course not. Nobody was Stephen McQueen. Not even Stephen McQueen. So, yes. Um, Before I confuse you even more, let's go back to 1950. Now, it is often called the Star Jelly Case. And it's actually a little bit different than Star Jelly stories 
which have been around since like the 16th century. Star jelly in general is this glue or glop that appears on tree branches, uh, according to legend, usually after a meteorite shower. So it's often associated with meteorites. Walter Scott mentions star jelly, at least as a throwout line, in his uh, 1825 uh, novel, uh, The Talisman. So star jelly was a known phenomena, which probably had a scientific backing that just sort of became folklore. Um, I haven't seen anything official, but I would be really... I wouldn't be surprised if Lovecraft was aware of it, if by no other means through, you know, Walter Scott's writings, and maybe was in the back of his mind when he wrote The Color Out of Space. It definitely has, these legends and The Color Out of Space seem to have the same sort of feeling, though The Color Out of Space is that. It's a color. It's a... It's a wavelength, it's a electromagnetic radiation, where the star jelly is glop, glop, glim. Oh, I know the word I'm looking for. It's a blob. So the event took place on September 27th, 1950, uh, in, I guess, more of the suburban areas of Philadelphia, where two police officers, um, John Collins and Joe Keenan. Those sound like East Coast cop names to me, like just out of a movie. They reported seeing this metallic vehicle with a dome. It was saucer-shaped with a dome. And it released this huge purple jelly-like mass that just floated around. Um, and they basically called in and two other cops who claimed to have seen it. And then the everything just sort of disappeared. And it became a national sensation. And to be honest, even though I don't think maybe it happened the way the police described it, I don't think they made it up. I think they saw something and maybe their imaginations took hold. I, I don't know exactly what happened. But I, th I think something happened. And they were basically a, became a laughingstock. Um, and this sort of stinky jelly slob, uh, seven years later, is going to be the inspiration for the movie The Blob. So the story for the movie The Blob was written by... Uh, Irving H. Milgate. Now, he didn't write the script. Uh, the script was uh, K. Linker and Theodore uh, Simonson. But um, but uh, Milgate basically came up with a story that was used. And he then, of course, gave it to Langhaker and Simonson, who made it into the movie. And Milgate com it says that he was completely inspired by reading about the report of the four policemen seven years earlier. He was basically told by, uh, uh, by uh, 
uh, producer Jack H. Harris. You just you got to come up with a monster story, and this is what uh, Melgate came up with, and then it was turned into a script. And it's a little bit off tangent, but I think most people know this was Stephen McQueen's or Steve McQueen's first lead role, and he was in a little bit desperate need for money, so when he he was given either a like a percent of the cut or 3000 up front, he took the money, which if he had taken the percentage, it would have worked out to like $150,000, like 50 times what he got. But, uh, you know, live and learn. I don't think Steve ended up, you know, too hurt for money. So what was it that the four policemen saw? You know, if we take it on its face value, it seems to be a UFO pumping out its porta potty or releasing some sort of bio, you know, excrement. But it, the, the so-called star jelly disappeared too. But also what, um, there's different reports of, you know, people getting sore eyes and things like that, but there's no real evidence of biocontamination. Kind of an interesting story. What I got when I was a young kid, late 70s, early 80s, you know, reading every little UFO report I could consume, this was really much sort of seen as a, if not true, a reliable witness report. But apparently the FBI back then just tore this apart. And the case, what I'm reading now is that at the time it was seen as laughing stocks uh and i wonder if maybe that changed with the movie i don't know or more than likely just the report was more accepted because of time keeping in mind that this account has the added part of the saucer the metallic saucer shaped ship with the dome what is all these reports of star jelly and Another sort of parallel report or thing is angel hair. And I have read, you know, angel hair is not real. But in Mississippi in 1987, I looked up in the sky and it was covered with these white floating strings, this angel hair. And I'm pretty sure what I saw, first of all, it's like seeing the Northern Lights, I guess. You know, you just if you get a scientific explanation, it's still kind of inspiring. But what I saw, I'm pretty sure, was released from spiders, and it pretty much covered up the sky. So to me, yes, it's real. Is it supernatural? No, I don't think so. Does it come from UFOs? No, I don't think so. So when people say, "Oh, this phenomenon isn't real." Well, I'm willing to say it's not supernatural. Maybe the Philadelphia case wasn't real, but I'm kind of want to say that, you know, there's a good possibility. So what is star jelly? And one report out of Scotland thinks that it may actually be basically gelatinized frogs that were eaten up by birds and things that eat frogs and then throw it up which is not as exciting or fun as a spaceship dropping its space poo poo but 
that, okay, that sounds scientific to me, impossibility. Another one, which I definitely think probably applies for some, if not all, is this gelatinous fungus that is released from uh, rotting wood. And in Mexico, now the event definitely is caused by, or this, this gelatin appearing on trees is caused by a fungus called, basically its name translates to moon feces, which is such a cool name. Um, and this basically, not the floating part, but the part being on the tree, that makes sense, but it's just a very localized event. It's not a worldwide event. It only happens, you know, in parts of Mexico. Now, up till about 1910, it was thought, because this event was associated with meteorites, that it was part of the meteorite, that the meteorite, when it explodes, jellifies. There is no scientific evidence for that. But, you know, at least, <clears throat> you know, they have event and event meteorites and this, this gel on trees, and they created a cause that really didn't have any correlation. But... So what exactly the officers saw in Philadelphia or what it is, we don't know. But I think that it's really cool that one of the most famous 20th century monster movies was based on a real, you can't see the air quotes, event. And, you know, I think that that endures the movie more to me. Okay, now we're going to let the people who you really come to listen to talk, so that you can hear more of them. Hey, everyone. I just need to let you know, Glary has got some really cool guitars in right now. I know, you you heard the thing where I say, new sponsor of the show, Glary, but that's an old ad. Mm -hmm. Glary still has new stuff. They have cool drum kits. They have a really cool Latin drum kit with a cowbell on it that I, I watched a YouTube video on, and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to get that. I don't play drums, but I could. Anyhow, so check out Glary. Also, check out Anycubic. They've got some really nice 3D printers. You can get the Cobra Go for $169 nice dollars, or uh, you know, check out with their discounts what you can get it for currently. All right. Any, any any cubic. Check out our show notes to get discounts, to set up links, and anything you buy through our show notes, we we get a little bit of money. So don't just go to the sh don't just go to the website. Use our show hey notes. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Glary. Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20-watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under 80 
guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a glary. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic, and sometimes not-so-classic, monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. And we are talking about movies, mm-hmm. so we're talking about possession. Yeah. Okay. Am I allowed to pick movies anymore after this? I don't mean no. To, you're you guys, totally I was worried to that you guys weren't going to speak to me anymore after this one. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's 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 the one where um the the uh, embryos being fed to a little girl. Uh, yeah. Not spoil a movie. Uh, that, that one was the one where I was like, this is too hard for me, but I'm going to do it. Um, this one was really hard for me, but just because of the fact that um, not not for like reasons that happened in this, but there was elements of it that reminded me of my own divorce and how it just like happened all of a sudden. And there was like people who I didn't know just showing up in my life. And I'm like, Wait a minute, who are these people and where do they what's going on here? I don't understand any of this kind of this like sense that's that takes place. It was yeah. And it has baby Sam Neil. I mean yeah. it does. So this movie, um, when it came out, it was not um well received at first. Mm-hmm. I mean its budget was two point four million, right? And then it had its box office was one point eight so that's not good no no but in france wasn't it it was but at Cannes, it was like the um that main actress a johnny she got um like the best actress award for yeah. it well deserved i mean incredible her acting is incredible in this movie i don't think i've ever seen an actress put so much forth in a film that of the like in this kind of a role it, like 
it didn't feel like acting. It felt like no, you were seeing crying on a relationship fall apart. And it's like, yeah. oh, this doesn't feel right. This feels like, oh, I feel bad for everyone involved. Why what? am I here? Uh, I need to get up. I need to walk around a bit. Set. Okay, I can walk. Yeah, so, so I don't mean to be that guy. Yeah. But to me, and and I did a little bit of research. To me. It almost seemed like I thought at first overacting, but apparently the director was being inspired by a type of of theater in Poland mm-hmm. where you're not you're not showing what the character is doing, it's what the character is feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think maybe that raw emotional. So maybe the character is whispering in reality, but the idea is since it's hurting him or her and her soul. She's screaming, overacting, and it's not overacting like we would think in Western. It's it's kind of like impressionist, is my mm-hmm. understanding. It's an idea of what, not what really happened, but the feelings behind it. Well, I mean, that's what I think the whole film, the beginning intonations is like, okay, we have this, we have Sam Neill's character who is a, a spy, Mm-hmm. And it's World War. I mean, this is not World War. Excuse me. It's West Berlin. We're in Germany. Yeah. The wall mm-hmm. is still up. You can. There's physical aspects of seeing the wall as we enter the film and as we kind of navigate the city and and the this destruction of this relationship. Mm-hmm. We see the wall there, and it's like yeah. this reminder of of what had happened what um what there was like the stagnation of germany at the time but also like the hopelessness that people had at that time yeah and And, and, oh i'm sorry no it's all right it just kind of feels like it plays into the that's like the that third party emotional state at the very beginning of the film letting us know where we're going to be entering something not not happy no and we're 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 eight years like when the movie's filmed, we're eight years away from the wall coming down. Like it is East Berlin within communist Germany. And I mean, West Berlin, which is within communist Germany, but part of West Berlin. Anyway, I'm not here for a history lesson. Um, (laughs) That's my job. Yeah. That's my, but yeah, no, there's that scene when he's in the apartment and the camera zooms back and behind you know, Sam Neill's character, that is East Berlin. It's camera shooting over the, over, you know, into communist Germany. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So so I did do a little bit of research and correct me if I'm wrong, but so it's Zolowski. I'm not sure if that, I mispronounced Yeah, I think that's as close as we're going to get. Yes. So he was going through a terrible divorce. Yes. And so a lot of it is, autobiographical in the Mm -hmm. fact like when sam neill comes in and he finds the kid alone and he's got jam all over his face Mm -hmm. that's based on something that happened yikes and that his wife left him for a like a self-help guru oh my gosh which explains um heimlich or is it heimlich or um i I think yeah i think it's heimlich or or heinrich heinrich Yeah. And and the other thing is that right before this, because he was making movies in communist Poland and his big tr- you know, masterpiece was a movie called The Silver Sphere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of that movie because I hadn't until I started researching him. 
No. I've heard it, but I haven't had a. I haven't seen it. Okay, so it's a science fiction epic where the spaceship crashes, and they have to basically survive. And then this half bird-like aliens they meet contact, and the bird aliens conquer them and make them the slave race, and they have human bird hybrids. And then later on, another um, spaceship crashes, and this character, he basically leads a rebellion against the bird people. Mm-hmm. Where the communist government in Poland basically thought it was an attack on communism, and they mm-hmm. made him shut it down. So I'm told, I, and I've seen just clips, just real quick, mm-hmm. but I'm told it's an incredible movie, but it's not complete. Interesting. And, and so my understanding is he was extremely frustrated that he that's it that he gave up he was no longer to make movies behind the iron curtain and that this is his only english speaking language movie that's the, i did know that yeah but that so much of this was his frustration over uh what happened to uh the silver sphere and the breakup of his own marriage yeah I feel like this movie has a lot of um, Lovecraftian overtones in it Absolutely. as well as, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily considered a horror film in it's like, and in, in it's like purest form, it's a psychological drama mm-hmm. types or a psychological thriller. I mean, to me, it has science fiction elements to it, but it also like, like um, I'm sure that most people have seen like the images of like the tentacle monster and things like that. I mean, it's a shocker. Let's just be mm-hmm, real. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. be real. <laughs> I mean, it was serendipitous that you picked shoggoths in this. Just saying. Yeah. And and, and the the subway scene. Oh. Mm-hmm. But Brutal. There was, a band, there was a band that did a a video. I can't remember any. It was basically a redoing of the the uh, subway scene. Oh. Yeah, I'm told that the way that um, that scene was kind of directed is he was like, I, am I allowed to say bad words on this podcast? Go for it. Okay, so he said to air fuck the, the sky, like, <laughs> and that's kind of, I mean, but not in a sexy way, but yeah. like, that's why I think that that's why she has those moments of where she's like really throwing her body into it. As well as, I mean, and there's those scenes where she's coming at the screen and her eyes are dilated and she looks yeah. like ferocious and uh, it's just so good. And, and I heard that they experimented with putting the actress in trances. Yeah. And oh. that's what Sam Neill had said in one of his um, interviews was that this was also his favorite production. I'm like, well, maybe yeah. you're. Maybe you're hypnotized to believe that, <laughs> but I mean that he, I mean, but his character was really an interesting character, pathetic and also terrible. And also mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just a lot yeah. of them. There were not any, nobody was really redeeming in this. There was maybe, maybe Heinrich's great mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no what else I liked about this movie. I think that it was progressive in a way. Yeah. That it has a gay couple, but it was no big deal. Yeah. You know, it was just it was just thrown out. If they didn't you know, it was just sure, casual. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a um it wasn't an important part of the plot. Like it was just a casual relationship that we it, would, we didn't we didn't make a big deal out of it. It explains why the detective's, you know, partner is looking for him. But right? yeah. Gosh, yeah. what a crazy film. 
there's so much I could go on. It's so it's so many metaphors and like self-destruction and oh, it's just I that's why I think it's like such a Lovecraftian film in that way, in that way as well. The besides the like obvious tones of like, you know, the monster, but the 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 madness that yeah, this yes. couple has, like the consumption of each other, like where they want to control one another or control the situation. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is a, a very Lovecraftian scary vibe. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, and, and, oh, I'm sorry. No, that just the idea of like you loving someone so much, so much that you want to just like consume them. That's what this plays on. Sure. And, and and it definitely is a psychological horror. And and in some ways, I think it works best as a psychological horror. Absolutely. But but there's something I think that they kind of threw out just to bait us is when you know the um, the electric knife scene. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. But later on, you see Sam Neil in a t-shirt. He's got no wounds on his arm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or, or did he imagine it all well that's a, that's the thing that it plays on is like what parts of this were they imagining happening yeah like um i mean when she has a miscarriage in the like in the subway tunnel is it um is she having a miscarriage or was she raped by a, you know you just don't know like what was happening like if this was something that she had like if she had imagined or mm-hmm. that um, like as some kind of trauma, it's, it's hard to tell. It's uh, it's, that's what makes this movie so scary. Yeah. Or, or do they have a shared delusion? Could be a shared delusion. I mean, when people are the, like, I guess when you see these kind of destruction, destructive relationships, they could have a shared delusion of like companionship and whatnot and then having the 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 implosion of the relationship creating more yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretending to be a psychiatrist hi (laughs) no no i'm like going no i i I totally get that i i i totally there's ah there's things about this that captures like not just like the filmmaker or Sam Neill's like characters uh, it's there's, there's elements to this that are kind of common with just kind of communication breakdown between people, but also like disinterest, but also needing to have that person, even though you don't want that person kind of like end of relationship garbage that they're both going through and they're both kind of like hating everything about themselves and each other and going through like this delusional thing at the same time where it's like they're both just um, unreliable narrators. But also like you don't feel sympathy for them, but also no. you feel sympathy for those around them. Like that when poor you, kid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You see people going through a terrible breakup, like publicly or something. You don't worry about them. You worry about the other people at their table and go, oh, shit. (laughs) I hope that wasn't their, 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 their uh, rehearsal dinner. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, there, there are so many scenes that stick out. And like one of them for me is that one of those, the end scene where the little kid's like, don't, don't let him in. Don't let, no, yeah. don't. And then runs upstairs and drowns himself. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I sat there. I was just kind of awestruck at it. Yeah. No, it, it, this movie went places I didn't think it was going to go. Right. It's it's like it it's it's like I I just assume it's going to keep going in this like psychological thing, and then it's like, oh wait a minute, what's that? Oh, okay. Wait a minute. She just killed that guy with a bottle. What? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay, this is not the movie I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so so what if this is a theory? So we we have Helen, which is, you know, sort of an idealized version of Anna the wife, but right. her eyes are changed. And right. then we have this squeaky, clean, eerie clone of Sam Neill at the end, right? Yeah. Correct. What if, and I'm just throwing this out, this is my impression, what if the monster is symbolic for Bob, the boy? Oh. That they all have sort of their own versions that based on the people around them desires their expectations their fears and that they created either physically or just emotionally these doppelgangers and that the monster is this fear of raising this child in basically enemy territory as well as this resentment for all this drain that all parents feel they just well, absolutely absolutely that could definitely be a usable metaphor for this because i mean even i mean i'm a parent and i there were moments I mean, I, that was so they're so stressful and yeah. kids create um like a stress stressor because you want you want have so many things poured into them not only just your love and you know affection and your endearment but like you your hopes for them and your future for them and that can cause a breakdown if there's especially if there's some like problems with you know things you know uh, yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> i mean happy mother's day <laughs> yeah no no this this is one of those movies you put on the list of Hard to watch for parents, along with um, my brain isn't working right now. Um, human beings. What's that? Hard to watch for human beings. Yeah, hard to watch a, for human beings. And divorces yeah. and things like that. It just, you know, if you've had a relationship where someone is trying to change you in that relationship, this is a very, also a very good aspect of it too. Because, yeah. I mean, like you were saying, they're idealized versions of each other. Could be their like compulsion to want to change one another. Yeah. And sculpt them and, into the person in the end, they are. That change isn't that good. Nah, I mean you never know. <laughs> he was, I mean, like you kind of get the impression that um, he that there were some intimacy issues, and yeah, it's a yeah. yeah it seems. And I, outside of all that, I love Heinrich. You know, he's a fun character. I love his <laughs> like putting his little triangle on his forehead and rolling across the hallways and not making eye contact. <laughs> Yeah. I want to like now. I think it's gonna be my new thing. Walking through the halls, I'm just gonna be like, "Excuse me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, the cast of this film is 
amazing. I like everyone who's in it is is like I don't. There's no one who I'm like, oh, that person sucked, or this person ruined the movie, or this person distracted, or this person. I feel like it was like one of those films that's like perfectly cast. It's like, oh yeah, no, if absolutely, because almost anyone else, it would have been ham acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. And I think that it felt right. It was right for this movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, my, I really love Heinrich's um, mother. She mm-hmm. is the chillest person in this entire film. She's yeah. just like, goes with it, you know, rolls <laughs> with the whole thing. She's like, he could be dead, maybe, but please tell him I love him or, you know, tell him to call me. She's super chill. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to say, do I know her from anything? And I have to say, no, I do not. Johanna um, <laughs> Hoffer? Um, yeah. 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 She's like a German actress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like... I was just like, do I know her from anything from like the 60s or 70s? And it's like, nope, I do not. Uh, I th- I'm just cheating. I'm looking up, but apparently she was in at least one version of a farewell to arms. Gotcha. I always wonder, like, I didn't, I haven't seen any of the other films that, um, um, Isabella or Isabel um, Johnny is in, mm-hmm. but I've, I've heard that she was in a, a film called, um, I think it was one deadly summer or something like that. I don't know, but yeah, I don't stop. Yeah. Alexa. Now, my understanding is this again. My understanding, looking at Wikipedia, is that she escaped from Germany because her dad was Jewish. Okay. Oh. Interesting. So that's why she appeared in some, some, um, oh, uh, during World War II uh, movies like Hitler. Oh, she was in Hotel Berlin. But as uncredited, same thing as uh, uh, Hitler's Mad Men. She was also in Nosferatu. I'm so dumb. Okay, I was like, I know she she played Lucy Harker in um, the um, the Werner the Werner Herzog um, Nosferatu. Okay. Okay. I mean, you can't forget those eyes. (laughs) She's just got such incredible, like she had an incredible look. She still does. I mean, she's 67 years old right now. Gorgeous. Hope I look that good at 67. Just saying. <laughs> She's a shotgun, so she can look good at 67. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Possession. Um, yeah, no, that it's it didn't do well as we talked about it. Uh it didn't do well anywhere. It has it's video done- nasty. Yeah, it was a video nasty over in the UK. Um, it it's 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 like since 2014, it's gotten a lot more of a uh, viewership because it's been released in more than one format since then. It's been released on DVD, and I don't know if it's been released on Blu-ray yet. But uh, yeah, it's on Blu-ray. It was, okay. I think it's Criterion Collection did a um, upgrade, and then there was a recent um, upgrade that oh. is. Not as nice as the Criterion Collection one looks. That's uh-huh. uh, you know how sometimes you have too much um, correction. 
Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Um, the one that the I think the Criterion Collection put out was a little bit less than the one that most recently, the more recent Blu-ray. But oh, it's man. definitely got a cult following. I mean, I think I just think that people didn't know about this film because it was a video nasty and it kind of got buried and it's not like it didn't do well. It didn't have a lot of money. And so um, yeah. they, people like us who watch a lot of cult horror films or whatnot brought it back to like. Yeah. Yeah. So or like common mind or whatnot. And I mean, I've, there's been a bunch of, I've, I looked up a few YouTubers um, inter- interpretations of the ending. Cause I, that's what I'm always curious about is like, what do other people think of that ending? Yeah. What do I think of that ending? That was weird. And uh, like yeah. kind of <laughs> scary. <laughs> so, so what were some of the thoughts? Um, one of them was th- that it, it was all a grand delusion. I mean, okay. I stuff see that. you would assume yeah. I I personally feel like it it was um maybe Bob's Bob was sensitive. I don't know. Hang on, hang on. So at the end we have <laughs> Helen is with Bob and then the door the bombs are going off, the air raid sirens are going off and yeah. um Sam Neill's creepily hanging on the door like a perv. Mhm. And putting his hands up against the glass and the little boy is screaming, don't. And she opens the door smiling. And then he goes up and drowns himself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can we say that was Bob's delusion or like, do you think that was, I I don't know. Bob's a weird kid, man. Yeah. I I would think. And so this is kind of, the way that I caught was kind of a shared Anna and Mark delusion. Yeah. And that from a psychological point of view, there was no monster that yeah. they were killing everyone. And I, at the end they drowned Bob. Yeah. And that, that would they're make sense. Killed, or their neglect that, dropped drowned Bob. Yeah. And that they're killed by the police. And the last little bit is kind of like, you know, strange occurrence at Owl's Creek where mm. the entire world gets destroyed in their, you know, last conscious thoughts. Oh, wow. Yeah, or I like their that. world is being destroyed in their last conscious thoughts. I mean, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, maybe like you said, maybe that hail of bullets um, is the air raid and. Yeah. It's a it's an unsettling film. It's not a not a pleasant not a pleasant ending. No. But I, was... I kind of like films that are nihilistic like that. I like the I don't I don't need everything wrapped up. Not not every monster gets to be slain and survive. And you know, <laughs> I like and, the like that darkness. And even if it's an overly disturbing movie, yeah, it's a well done movie. There's, it there's is no well disputing that. I mean, it's got these incredible um, shoots like that one shot where it's like one continuous looping shot where he's sitting there um, talking to the spy council. They never really established what they're called, but that he's a spy. Yeah. And the the there's the camera is looping completely around the room in one continuous loop, giving us this perspective. Yeah. I thought that was gorgeous. Like yeah. chef kisses. Mwah. Yeah. Yeah, David Fear of the Rolling Stone uh, said this film, uh, a body whore answer to Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, and Jesus. That's a 
easy breakdown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, wow, that is just like how to describe this in like less than 10 words. Totally. And then said like jaw-droppingly beautiful about the uh, 4K restoration. Mm, yeah. yeah. I, I, I just saw it on my TV, on my monitor. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it on Amazon um, on Shutter. Yeah. And, and I watched it again on my monitor with my terrible eyes. But wasn't the subway scene a one shot? Yeah, that was oh, also one shot. Geez. Brutal, right? Yes. <laughs> Where she's like smashing the eggs and the milk up against the wall. Like to me, that was a. There was also those, those like. Of course, you're gonna. You could throw all these allegories out there, or like be like, it was. She was destroying her motherhood, and that's why she was destroying the milk and the eggs as well as like she has like a miscarriage, and then all these other things that besides miscarriage stuff comes out, and uh, yeah. Gnarly. So beautiful in its disturbingness. Absolutely. Yes. But yeah, I think it's something that some people just have to see for themselves. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, don't don't sleep on this as far as like people having opportunity to watch it. You guys should watch it. It's um Yes, it's hard. It's a hard watch. Oh, yeah. Um, and because it's such a like a stilted dialogue and kind of bizarre acting. Mm -hmm. Don't don't not see it because of those kinds of things. It's it's incredible. Once you get once you let the story envelop you. Yeah. And when I had heard that, you know, it that it wasn't deliberate overacting, that it was an idea to try to portray how they were feeling that mm -hmm. kind of. I saw it in a different light. I oh, personally yeah. didn't think anyone was overacted. I felt like everyone was just kind of like at their last last wit and just like just trying to like make sense of everything that was happening around them. Right. But, yeah. And like their I feel like their emotions were like to me felt like the the that turned up to a ten. Oh my like god. You, you yeah. You come in hot. Like you're already upset i mean like you're that's... starting to shudder because you know you're about to start yelling kind of like yes. oh yes <laughs> that's what makes it so horrible and like um such a terrible experience because it, it you like like we've mentioned multiple times in this is like a relationship like yeah just yeah, being just, destruction just watching this film made my stomach just go into knots and i'm like this movie I is know, right Me too. and that's before anything really weird it's like like anything really really weird it's just like more kind of like oh they're both assholes and they're both neglectful and they both suck <laughs> then it starts getting weird you're like there was nobody redeeming except for bob i mean i guess yeah he didn't have much personality poor kid not really no no yeah, even helen which is just pure portrayal even i don't i don't know I, I don't know quite how i feel about helen well yeah. i mean if you think about her and and as, as taking her as if she is like a, a separate entity from um uh isabella's character dang brain anyways if you teach her take her as a separate entity and she's an adulteress like yes. a knowing adulteress yeah, yeah. and she's on yeah, yeah that's true and she's also Anna was the other character. She's Anna, also, thank you. She's also 
overtly naive. Absolutely. Yeah. Probably in the in the ignorance is bliss kind of way. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I think the best way to sum it up is you got to see it. it you got to see it. Go see it or watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I found it on I think YouTube, a really really old copy on YouTube. Yeah, that that's what I found. Which I I really liked watching that, and and I w- I would be interested to watch like a uh, 4K restoration, but like watching it on YouTube, it felt like, you know, like old grainy VHS tape, which it was like recorded off of. It felt like something that you'd see on VHS in like the summer of 82 on like uh, Spotlight or HBO or something like that on cable, but yeah. And a historical artifact? Uh-huh, yes, correct. So what are we going to be talking about next week? Next week? Let me see. I feel like it was like Jacob's Ladder or something. I think Jacob's Ladder and oh oh wait no it's the Gate and Shantanks. Tom. Ooh, Shantanks. Shantanks and the Gate. Oh, I love the Gate. You guys, you guys are gonna love. Have you seen the Gate? Yes, I have. I remember watching that as a as a, as a kid. It was Gabe, one of those movies that would be on like. HBO or Cinemax or something like that late at night and my friend would copy it and then we'd watch it like the next weekend. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it yet. (gasps) Oh, I'm so glad. This is going to be great. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. I think I may have seen reviews, but I don't think I've seen it. It's a lot of fun. It's It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I like it. It's much more happy than this one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Lots yeah. of fun um, uh, practical effects, uh, great soundtrack, fun actors, good story. It's a good one. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yep, yep. And Shantax. Uh, I, have no, I have no idea what a Shantax is, but I'm going to find out this week. Definitely. All right. It's what the government gets in your percentage when you sell a Shan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all Shantanks? No, wait, that's not right. <laughs> all right. Well, everyone, we'll see you next week, and we'll be talking about Shantex and The Gate. So uh, if you have anything that you want to send to us, anything you want to talk about, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, social media, at PGTTCM and PGTTCM.com if you want to contact us. All right. We'll see you next time, everyone. Goodbye.